That's quite an interest to a printmaking studio. Oh, it's amazing. It was the Northern British Rubber Factory headquarters. So welcome everybody, I'm Sarah Wiseman and today I've come up to Edinburgh to Catherine Rayner's amazing studio at the Edinburgh Printmakers. Catherine's having a show at the gallery in October called Rustlings. We've come up here to learn more about her practice, to talk about some of the work that will be on show and just find out about Catherine Rayner's world. So welcome to our podcast. It is enormous. It's much bigger than the old place. Edinburgh Printmakers moved here in April. It's now a world-class printing facility. It's breathtaking. It's absolutely amazing. But what it is, it's an open-access artist studio for artists who, instead of painting with a brush, the medium of a paintbrush and paint, they print. So they'll, the most commonly sort of known is etching, where they will use a sharp object to gouge out lines into a metal plate and then they'll put ink over it and print onto paper. You can also do that with stone and there are lots of other more modern ways of doing it. So you use silkscreen printmaking in your work and it's always been a part of your work and even part of your books hasn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love with silkscreen printing the main thing is the way that you can apply colour to a piece of paper through an open stencil so you get the most beautiful flat blocks or blends of colour in a really distinct shape. And it's real contrast to the sharp, scratchy lines of pen and ink. So I tend to use them both on the same sheet of paper. And I've done that quite a lot with this exhibition that we're having, where the leaves in the background are these flat, bold, silkscreen printed shapes, but then the animals are painted on top. In fact, I'll get some paper out whilst we're here. So, what press shall we use? We use this press. Over here, we have the inks. We're looking at lots of different jam jars with lots of different like colours. There's lilacs, there's yellows, pinks, browns, blacks and greys. There's every colour under the rainbow, Every colour under the rainbow. This is a lovely kind of soft peachy colour. It is, it is. And I'm just going to test with my finger just to make sure that this ink's all right to use. The screen actually looks like a work of art in its own right. So things are kind of upside down, like I can see that you're trying to use the space, but it's bright yellow with this kind of beige emulsion, this red edge, it's quite dynamic. I love them, I love the noise they make. I'll do it so the microphone can hear. Yeah, that kind of stretch. Really, it's gorgeous, isn't it? So this is a, a fabric stretched over a metal frame. So if you want to come over here, mm. Shall I bring the ink? Oh, yes, please, and the spatula. What I love about being here as well is you get to see the work that other artists are doing. So I know, my eyes are going I'm everywhere, <laughs> like, what's going on over there and over there? So I've clamped the screen into the press, and I'm going to put some ink on the screen. And, uh, right, so this is the press. It's quite noisy. On. It is quite noisy. So what is Can that you imagine noise? when they're all switched on? Oh, yeah. That is uh, the vacuum which holds the piece of paper in exactly the place you want it to be. Oh, okay. So you can't move that piece yeah. of paper now. So here I'm just pulling the ink through the screen. And then I'll lift it up and you'll see. So it's quite a physical process. Yes, it is a very physical process. A day of screen printing, the next day you can feel it. It's very, very physical. And sometimes because of the opening hours, you do a full day from 10 in the morning till nine at night. And if you've got a project deadline, bit of a workout yeah mm. 
I've read about you know how printmaking is done and I've seen the screens and everything before but it's absolutely brilliant to see it in action it just you know it sounds and looks deceptively simple but it's all about the preparation it's absolutely wonderful mm. See, there's as much time preparing and clearing up as there is actually doing the printing. But yeah, so anybody can apply to be a member. You just have to have an induction into the space. You have to do a course so that you know how to print and then you, you can use it. It's an amazing facility. We are so lucky in Edinburgh. One of the reasons I wanted to live here was because of Edinburgh Printmakers. And you meet other artists, so it's, it's another very inspiring place to come. Well, I'll just stick that bit of paper and maybe go back downstairs. So it's amazing to be in your new studio, Catherine. I just remember previous conversations. You were working at home in a back bedroom in a really small space. And now we're here in this, this gorgeous, bright, wonderful building. This studio is a dream because I do a lot of printmaking. This is within the Edinburgh Printmakers building. So I can literally be working on something and drawing it down here. And then I can nip upstairs and use the facility, the shared studio, Edinburgh Printmakers upstairs. So it's amazing. That's fantastic. Mm. So we've got lots of drawing inks. There's colour everywhere. Beautiful sunflowers as well mm. on the table. Always fresh flowers. I find them, they, they lift my spirits and I spend a lot of time in this studio. So it's, <laughs> it's worth keeping it nice. Home away from Coffee home. machine and flowers. Yeah. Yes, then we're fine. What's your, you know, what's your essentials? What's like your routine as you, you know, as you come in in the day? It's interesting. I have more of a routine now I'm here than when I was at home. I think I'd just fall into working. You just start wherever you could start. But here I come in, blinds up, urgent, urgent emails. But the problem with doing that first is you can get dragged into them. But I'll try and do some drawing in the morning as soon as I get in pretty much because then you feel inspired for the rest of the day and by lunchtime you feel at least you've got something creative down on paper yeah I can see that being really important mm. it's amazing people are walking past do they peek in your windows they do people are unbelievably nosy it's so funny I didn't realize how nosy people were till I worked in this studio and I've had conversations with people through the glass before which when you've got deadlines it's quite distracting from working at home for nearly 18 years to then being in this studio since April, only now, and we're in end of September, am I beginning to adjust and not be so distracted by having other people around, but appreciating that there's somebody to talk to or bounce ideas off if you need to. Yeah, I mean, I nearly fell off my chair when you said you were actually moving to I know. the studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, big professional change. <laughs> I'll explain the surfaces that we have in the studio. Yes. I wish I could work on an easel. I think my back and my shoulder would love me for it. But because I use a lot of watercolour and inks, everything has to be flat. So there's a lot of flat surface. And in the middle of the room, I have what I call the island, which makes it sound much more glamorous than it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a plywood bench, but it, um, it's lovely and it gets really, really good light. And that's where I do most of my painting. So on there, I've got inks, paint. There's often drawing boards. It's often full. But what's brilliant about it is I can work on multiple paintings at the same time. Although sometimes it doesn't take long to apply the ink to that part of a creature, for example, if you're doing the ears, it does take a very long time to dry. Yes. So I can be working on somebody else's ears whilst the first one's drying. Whereas yeah. in my old studio at home, you could do one thing at a time. But the bench in the middle is brilliant also for laying out projects. When you're working on books, you can see all the spreads printed out and 
laid out so you can check that everything flows nicely for ideas for this exhibition that I've just done I sketched everything first and then laid it out to make sure that it worked really nicely as a collection so it's this a, is kind of like the hub this flat surface is kind of where a lot of the magic happens it is it is it's I use it more than I think I ever thought I would behind me this is where I tend to crop down prints and pieces of artwork so I have big rulers on here and so this is where you can see in fact debris from cropping things yeah down. I can actually little yeah. bits of paper yeah so this is where once I've decided the size that I maybe want a painting to be I'll tear down the edges of the paper to get that lovely deckled edge yeah I think a lot of people don't realize that that deckle edge is an act of you tearing the paper and it takes time sometimes I allow it up to an hour a piece because sometimes I do it bit by bit just till I know exactly how big I want it to be. And if you muck it up, it's an absolute disaster. Because that space in your artwork, mm -hmm. the space for the creature to be on the page is really important. It is. It's, I, I love the negative space. The empty space is as important as you say. On here as well is where I do all my packaging. And this is the drawer of dreams. People love this because this is all my equipment for sending. Oh my God, you're so organised. <laughs> so we've got tapes and scissors and all my labels and compliment slips and stuff and all the pens for sending stuff out. And I, I do have an assistant that works for me one day a week and she's so organised. I can't take credit for the full okay. organisation of this station. <laughs> I send a lot of work out. So a lot of time is spent posting stuff. But my now, eye is now drawn to the shelves, which are filled with your sketchbooks. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Sketchbooks are so important. They're slightly private. I'm going to show you inside. I was going to say, please, let's look in Yes, <laughs> okay. Here's um, Abigail. And it's partly just a way of not losing those initial drawings as well, because I stick things in. So all oh, the initial yeah. ideas from very, very first developing the character and working what's going to go out on each page you'll see these beautiful stick giraffe yeah. creatures that literally just show you how I'm planning the design of the book so how many times have you ever counted how many times you would draw a creature before you think you've actually got the character right it varies hugely but it's such a good question I don't know the answer to it but I do know the answer to the question how many drawings do I do as roughs and doodles before a book's finished mm -hmm. and I think it's well over a thousand well over a thousand I love this little note here it says keep neck thin <laughs> there's a very beautiful Abigail oh, with gosh. a very long neck well for example that is a very early drawing I mean we're only two pages in yeah and then I did all of these pages and pages and pages but went back to the beginning of the book and that ended up being the character drawing that that's is amazing on isn't the it? front cover of the book now. yeah I recognize it mm. yeah yeah absolutely so you just stick in lots of everything? Well, I try to. I mean, some of it's bulldog clipped together and waiting to get stuck in. I need a nice free evening with a pair of scissors and some masking tape to stick everything in. But sketchbooks are an, a, an amazing resource and so lovely to take to schools to talk to children as well because they can see the actual artwork and I let them touch it. Teachers often go... <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> but they can feel that it's a real... Somebody's actually drawn this picture that's in a book. It's not computer-generated and it is an actual human that's done it. So that leads on to like the new show, yes. Rustlings. I just love the title. Oh, uh, shall I get out a few of the paintings to show you and we yeah. can talk about them? Let's so they that. are in this drawer. Oh, how exciting. Right, are you ready? My husband made me this planchette. It was his first ever furniture project. That's amazing. It is. I'm and completely jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it was made when we lived in a shared flat 
we lived with so many people we had to make a bit of furniture that could also be used as a coffee table. My planter's has a less romantic story. It was being thrown out by the council and they were actually going to destroy it for firewood. One of my friends worked for the council and he said, oh, hey, Sarah, do you want this plan chest? And I went, uh, yes. I love that every plan chest has a story, literally. In my old studio, I used to have a cat that liked to walk over all my paintings whilst the ink was wet. So I very carefully always slide them into, into these drawers to keep them safe. So this is where I've got our paintings now. And I'm going mm-hmm. to open it up and let you have a look. Okay, so okay. here are... What should we start with? I'm going to start with this little collection here because they're on yeah, top. They are gorgeous. So we've got a badger, a fox, a hare, a field mouse, a hedgehog and a red squirrel. Obviously I was thinking about hibernation. Oh, they're just adorable. You can see already. Yeah, so they all look cosy and they're all in autumnal colours. Just the way they're all curled. Oh, I'm looking cosy. And sleeping animals just made me so happy this little hedgehog i love he's just winking at us he has yeah. got one eye open he's the only one that is able to tell us exactly what's going on yeah he's the center of the action he is the center of the action but i often think that hedgehogs are i think that they they know what's going on they know the score i love yeah. them i absolutely love hedgehogs and we're lucky up here to have red squirrels as well but i wanted to do a collection as well because i like the idea of them all huddled together so i'm hoping that these might all go to the same home so that they can live Mm. in a grid all together yeah they've been designed so that the colors all complement each other they do work well as a set i think they're absolutely adorable in fact my first impression is um which one do i want (laughs) that's lovely that's really lovely it was really fun naming them actually they have got good names opal that's so cute it just suits him doesn't it yeah and casper crispin i liked because of crispy leaves figgy yes sasha Araminta. Araminta. I just fancied a fancy hedgehog. I think the main thing for me is always to keep it that the animals could jump off the page or these guys could just have uncurl. a stretch and uncurl. Yes, uncurl. And you can imagine them uncurling in the spring and wandering Very off. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I've used a lot of metallic inks in these as mm-hmm. well. And I partly love doing that because I remember when I very first started doing my larger wall pieces, somebody once said to me that they were so excited because I'd put so much red in one of the hairs and I hadn't put any red in and then we chatted further and I realised it was the reflections of the inks so whatever colour room they go into they absorb the light of that room and settle really well in somebody's house I love that they make themselves at home in their surroundings yeah that's kind of like a happy accident isn't it I love artworks that have that slight feeling of change they change in the light so they can change from summer through to autumn because you get the change in the direction of light Mm. in Oxford in um, September we have this amazing golden light it's really bizarre but it's really beautiful and every year it's completely delightful and certain artworks just look different in different lights and I love that kind of feeling of transition so you've got this static thing in your home and yet, because it's got this light reflective quality, which is the beauty of original art, it changes, you know, day to evening, summer to winter. It's kind of, it's on the journey with you. It's magical, absolutely magical. And I know exactly what you mean. So part of the thing behind my work is that I want people to develop their friendships with these characters that are going to live on their walls, in their houses. And it sounds a bit strange, but become their friends. And I get lovely emails from people years later, decades later, saying that they've now had children and they have breakfast every day with these hares or these pheasants and they've made it their own story around them and it's exactly what I want. They're living beyond the actual painting. You sort of imagine them walking around the house with them or Mm. 
And often when people are buying my work, and I know that you do this too, is I encourage them to think about where they're going to put a piece in their house because I think it's really lovely if the creatures are maybe looking out of a window yeah, or, or around a corner or into a doorway. There's some possibility there, some mm. interaction. Yeah, it's really important when people buy work because they actually really think about where it's going to go. Does this fit in my house? Can I live with this? But people who choose to, to buy work, and especially people who buy your work, they, it does just give them so much tremendous joy. They do come back year after year, and they often tell us stories about how much they love things, or if they've moved house, how much fun it's been, like finding new homes for the artwork. And, and sometimes, you know, it's a massive consideration when they're like even buying a new home, like where's this stuff gonna go? <laughs> you know, how's this all gonna like fit in, you know? And art really does become part of people's daily lives which is really wonderful i think that's why it's such a special job isn't it it's a sort of non-disposable thing it's not like picking up a bag or a pair of shoes it's something that they're going to look at every single day not just when they choose to put it on or pick it up it is there it's very very flattering isn't it when somebody chooses something that either you've drawn or you've curated yourself and they've not only spent their money on it which I always I can never get over it's so flattering (laughs) but they are also choosing for it to take up such a big part of their living space yeah even if it's a small piece they're going to see it every single day it's it's amazing that buzz never leaves you as a gallery Mm. gallery and as an artist Mm -hmm. it's like oh my god we've put this together and people you know they want this I'm going to get this one out next I absolutely loved every second of painting this that is so beautiful, the detail. Oh my word, so this is a family of gorgeous little mice skipping through the autumn leaves. It is. A lot of the leaves I've collected from around here, so there's some newly planted oak trees outside from when the building was renovated. Mm-hmm. And I have then photographed these leaves and used them for screen printing, but choosing the colours warmed me up inside there's beautiful ready pinks that you get from an autumn maple there's lovely oranges sort of dusty greens yellows golden yellows and then the mice are just gorgeously accented with tiny tiny bits of metallic gold so they just glint peeking around these leaves if they were reflecting the light you'd see that each mouse is a slightly different shade of gold as well there are Uh, coppers and there are Mm -hmm. brighter golds and greener Mm -hmm. golds but I love the idea of people discovering a new mouse every time they looked at it so they might not see them all straight away and I have to be honest I missed two I'd done the painting but then when I went back to do the um the outlines and the final detail and the whiskers I'd thought I finished that piece and then I found that there were two that I hadn't finished off and I was going to name each mouse but it would have taken up most of the picture that would have been going right the way around the it edge of the page. It would have been. It would yeah. have been. So they're called the Petersons. And I don't really know why. I just thought it was an extremely sensible name for a family of mice that are having a lovely day. I think it's perfect. I don't know anybody called the Petersons, do you? No, I don't either. Well, you never know. Somebody might walk into the gallery and just decide that they have that many members of family in their house and they are called the Petersons. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but all the little mice having conversations with each other, if you look, they're all, those two are talking, these two, they're having a little group chat this one's yeah. watching this one. They're all sort of conversing in one way or another. But... I do love the balancing act of this little fellow. <laughs> on the, absolutely on the edge of a leaf. I mean, that's one strong leaf or one very little mouse. Oh, it is, isn't it? One of the things that really is an absolute passion of mine when drawing animals is how their weight bears on the surface that they're balancing. So if you've got something like a lion, I love that you'll sort of watch the whole droop of his body going through those big muscular chunky paws and I love 
the opposite with a bird or a mouse that they can perch on a tiny little leaf or something like that and everything's very dainty and you get the essence of how they where their place is in the world that feeling of weight you get that perfectly in all of your work when you think about your hairs their legs are so important they're so kind of almost like bottom heavy you know and they're like they're sat and you feel that they are occupying that space but they could just spring out of it and the same way with these little little mice we're seeing them now but they could be gone in a moment that's perfect you've said exactly the right thing that's exactly what I'd hope for. I'd hope that people might think that these mice maybe escape the frame at night and go off on little adventures around the houses. You mentioned the hairs. I have actually done a hair piece. A, a hair piece. It sounds like I'm talking about a toupee, doesn't I it? Know it does. <laughs> or, or I'm imagining clipping something in my ponytail. I, <laughs> I shall show you another piece of artwork yeah. which contains a hair and some more autumnal things. This is Aria. Oh, isn't she gorgeous? And she is looking at one of my obsessions, which is conkers. She's watching them and waiting yeah. for the, the conkers to come out of the... What do you call a conker house? Shell. Yeah. Prickly shell. Prickly shell. It is amazing, isn't it, opening a conker? It is amazing. Every day I walk past a tree that, you know, is now, like, dropping them on your head. Oh, really? It's quite It's quite entertaining. It's later up here, I think. Ah, OK. Mm. Well, I had to do a hair because yeah. I love drawing hairs. There's something about the character that you can get into them with their ears and their feet. There's something naturally kind of endearing, slightly comedic, these giant back legs, these giant ears. It's glorious. It is glorious. And their whiskers as well. Although I do always exaggerate their whiskers, but that's just one of my favourite things to do. It's all animals. It's no matter how many times you draw them, you can always get a different character into them. And I really, really enjoy exploring the different characters you can get into the same creature, which I think goes back to uh, illustrating books. Yeah. There's always an element in your books about the animals sort of being on a journey, kind of almost having like human experiences. Do you do that purposefully or is it just something that just comes naturally from you? It's a really good question. What I'll tend to do is think of a creature that I would really like to draw and I'll be doodling it away in sketchbooks. So at the moment, I've got about eight animals that I'm really, really interested in. I've picked two for the next book that I'll be working on. And then I'll really get to know this character. So I will work it up, work in colour from a sketch, learn how to draw it from every angle, maybe even jumping or swimming or just anything that it can do. And then a story will grow around what I've been drawing. Yeah. For example... um, Smelly Louie is all about a scruffy dog and his special smell. And the idea for that actually came about because I was, I was drawing Louie, mm-hmm. and he is the dog that I think would be my dream dog. And I was pregnant at the time, and my sense of smell was insane. I kept on thinking about how a dog's sense of smell is X thousand times stronger than a human's. And I thought, gosh, well, they, must, they can smell things that we haven't even thought about. Yeah, And then this story about him losing his special smell and what we consider to be a lovely smell. So he has to have a bath at the beginning and the end of the book and he's really disappointed because he's worked so hard on collecting this special smell. So that's how Louis came about. And then Augustus the Tiger, which was my first book, I was drawing tigers over and over again and they all looked very sad. And my tutor said to me, why do your tigers always look sad? And it was partly because they were in a zoo in Edinburgh and it was freezing. But... um, I said, oh, they've lost their smiles. And then this whole idea for this journey to find your smile came about. And it's really a story about depression. Yeah. 
it's used a lot, and I'm very proud of this, in schools to help with mental health, to educate children on positivity and things like that. That's so. brilliant. So essentially, you obsess about an animal as your that obsession grows. Mm. A book, a character, a painting, you know, as you as you get to know it, just grows from from that quite organically. Yes, that's exactly what happens. And people sometimes. My friends have got used to it now, but they say, uh, what are you doing today or something? And I'll go, well, we are dot, dot, dot. And they say, but you work by yourself. Who are you with? Who's we? And I'm like, well, me and the hair that I'm drawing. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a third person I in know, the room. I know, I know, I know. It's not that I sit and talk to them, but they become a real, a real thing. And I think that's what people see. Well, I hope that's what people see when they read the books and when they look at the, the gallery work and the pictures to go on the wall. This is... Oh, look at those guys. I just really liked drawing oh, them as well. Ludlow and Aiden. So they're a pair of badgers. They're called Ludlow and Aiden, which I thought Ludlow was the best name for a badger that I, I could come up with. I think so. I just love the way their snouts are just pointing towards each other. <laughs> it's really cute. I think yeah. uh, Aiden's the boss. I think so. He He's quite dominant, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. But I, I love badgers. They're absolutely beautiful creatures and they're lovely to draw brilliant I think it's really interesting to find out how you actually got into being an artist illustrator children's book author I mean that's quite a phenomenal career you know have you always drawn I have looking back my mum has got little books that I made when I was about four and I think I was very lucky to grow up with a selection of animals that were inspiring characters too so I'd always doodled them I did A-level art and then went to Leeds College of Art and still at this stage didn't realise that illustration was a sort of career path. I knew you did art and I knew about fine art and I knew about painting and sculpture and I knew about design. But I discovered illustration at Leeds and realised that it excited me. I love books. I more than love books. I adore books. And so it was, it was a dream that that would be the way that my art would take me. I saw your work at Edinburgh Art Fair. It hadn't been the most successful art fair. I'm happy to admit that. Um, but my least successful art fairs I've ever done, I've always met an amazing artist or discovered an amazing artist. You know, that's just how life works out. You know, one brain part switches off and another part of you, like, switches on. And I just saw your work and I loved the way people kind of connected with it. They just, it was so immediate and so natural. It was so beautiful. And I thought... I just know people in Oxford are going to love this. And I just went, right, I've got to find that artist. Gosh. And I just remember hunting around, you know, I get really detective, like if I see an artist I like, I get like, oh my God, I've got to find this artist. I just spent ages, you know, it was, you didn't have a website or anything back then. How did you find it? Where did you find it? I think it must have been on the university, on their website. I had not long graduated. And I remember getting your email because it was so exciting. Is that 10 years ago? Is that more than 10 years it's ago? It's a very lucky 13. Oh, it's not! It's 13 <laughs> years! Oh my goodness, because I remember where we were living at the time. It was very, very early on in my career full stop. I think I'd only had two books published, one or two books published. Yeah, I think so. I think I only worked with two or three galleries and they were all fairly local. And then, yeah, it was the start of our relationship as, yeah. as how we've worked, which is, we have been busy. I know, it's been incredibly busy. Mm. When you think back on all those... And over all those years, all the things that have happened, art fairs here, there and everywhere, exhibitions, just 
things in the gallery, just all the different things that have cropped up. Your children being born, getting married, you know, all of these, all of these life things that happen. Looking back as well at the time that I've spent in the gallery, we filmed in the gallery. It was really scary because it was a proper filming. They were going, cut, right, retake, retake. Oh, yeah, they had the clapperboard and everything. <laughs> they did, they and did. What, and what was really funny was that we had to stay really quiet. And I remember me and Emma having to hover in the garden. I felt quite bad about that. I thought we'd taken over your gallery for a day. And then the opening previous to that. It's always been momentous, hasn't it? <laughs> Every single trip. Who knows what's going to happen when this opening... Oh, my God. Oh, we should brace ourselves. The previous one, I remember I'd come down down to Oxford from Edinburgh and done some events where I'd been reading my books to children in libraries and schools. And I'd been to see you. And then we nipped out. And that's when I found out that I had won the Kate Greenaway medal. Yeah, it was amazing. Such serendipity that happened on that day. And you were actually next to your publisher when she got the phone call, which is just incredible. I'll never forget you walking into the gallery. You were completely like, oh my God, totally dazed. It was like you hadn't taken in the information. And we weren't allowed to tell anybody for, I think it was two and a half months after. So we knew all that evening at the exhibition opening. And I'd, I had told you, which I think I probably, well, I couldn't have hidden it from you if mm. I'd tried. But we had to keep it completely quiet. Uh, that was one of the most amazing days ever. It was yeah. phenomenal. It was fantastic. It was really hard not to say when you're talking to someone about an artist and their accolades and here's this artist and here's their work and they've just not really just won anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, she just always looks this happy. She's a very positive person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was an amazing, amazing day. And it was an amazing exhibition, actually. I remember people just kept coming in and in. And Do you remember the big painting of the mice? Yes. That was the first one that went, I think. Somebody just came in and said, I'll have that. And it went on all the evening. People yeah. just taking stuff away. It's yeah, fantastic. It was really amazing. You've always had this incredible self-motivation and self-determination, which, you know, is incredibly inspiring when, when you work alongside an artist who, who's got this like level of drive. It's absolutely wonderful. How do you keep that up? Everything feeds into each other quite naturally. And I really enjoy being busy. Sometimes it's overwhelming and I do have times where I do a rabbit in the headlights and I think, oh, I just need a couple of days. My brain is going to freeze because there's so many different projects. You can be dipping in and out of working on a book, illustrating a book, doing work for an exhibition, other commission work. I also visit a lot of schools to talk to children about literature and illustration. And there are a lot of things going on, but I thrive on it. And each one inspires the other one. So I can be doing a school visit and you spend a day or you're doing a tour a week with children who are getting so much out of your books that you just want to go home and write for them. But on that trip, I might have gone past a gallery and seen some paintings and thought, oh, that's given me an idea for a new piece or a composition that's interesting or a, I might have seen an animal from the train. I don't know. They all feed into each other. But I am motivated. I love my job. Yeah. It's fortunate. <laughs> it really comes across. It just feels like it comes out of you really naturally that you you don't have to, to struggle to find that energy to, to create this incredible artwork. Also on my wall, you might spot by my desk, there's this lovely poster. It simply says, get on with it. Yes. <laughs> In bright colours, doesn't it? I think everybody should have one of those on their desk. I think so. I definitely need one. Yeah, we've made it sound like I just fluidly work day to day to day. <laughs> it's not like that at all, but I am very inspired a lot of the time. Thank you, Catherine. It's been an absolute privilege to be here today. I hope everyone listening 
just get a sense of how much energy and passion you have for your writing, for your artwork, for your illustration, and how it all kind of connects and how it all comes together to, to make things like these wonderful books and also these wonderful exhibitions. I feel like I've got loads out of this conversation. It's lovely for me to hear you talk about my work because that's not something I've ever heard before, but that's how you will be to people when they come in to look at the exhibition. It's really special. I really hope people are inspired by this conversation and that they come to the gallery to see rustlings and enjoy your work as much as I have today. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks so much for making the trip up here. It's been really lovely having you here today. Thank you. Thank you.